Over the Ball is brought to you by Soccer America. Soccer America, the soccer paper of record. Go to SoccerAmerica.com and sign up for your subscription today. And by Nella from Fitbiomics. The Harvard doctor has found the probiotic strain that is found in most world-class athletes. Not all probiotics are the same. More information on all our sponsors at OverTheBall.com slash sponsors. Call or text us at 424-229-2247. That's 424-229-2247. Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn and Chris Shamides. This week, uh, I am home. I'm back in L.A. after a three-month jaunt, and Chris Shamides and his uh, his team, LMU, is on the road in Las Vegas. Uh, big game tonight, Chris. What do you got? Yeah, UNLV tonight, 7 o'clock. Heat wave out here in the West is hitting this place as well. So, like, the projected temperature at 7 p.m. is 102 degrees at wow. 7 p.m. kickoff. Crazy. So... What what do they have uh, like you know NCAA wise protocol wise because I know some of the protocols they have in in line for professional games uh, you know even the World Cup stuff the the water breaks what do they have at NCAA level? Same thing. We have uh, typically the the referees will get with the trainers, typically the home team trainer, and just gauge the heat and the index of all that stuff. And if they feel that it's hot enough, which tonight would be, for example, then they'll just designate two water breaks halfway through each half. So roughly the 22 minute mark and the referees try to find like an organic way to, to squeeze that in Stop it. to goal kick or some kind of stoppage. Exactly. How about coaching wise? Do you, do you change the way you play tactically because of the heat? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I go back and forth sometimes because with the referees, I say, you know, Hey, can you let me know if we're actually going to do it or not in advance? Because it's uh it's a break, it's a break in the action. And so with the, NCAA substitution rules being so liberal in many ways, you could you could use that as another stoppage or another chance to have a word with your team, another chance to give your, you know, your potentially your your players on the field at that time yet another break. So it does affect the substitution patterns a bit, in my opinion. Some other coaches may scoff at that, but I actually think it is a part of it that you need to incorporate into your thinking. Too many changes, I would, uh, you know. Too, too many substitutions, I would say that's definitely an understatement with NCAA. I think it's certainly uh, something that they should change because it's it's an international game. It's the world's game. And yet here we are, here we are again, America imposing sort of different rules to fit in with uh, football, basketball, baseball, sort of, you know, substitution, free sub. So anyway, I've pissed and moaned about that on many occasions. Uh, I was in Telluride this week, and I don't know if you've ever been to Telluride. I was at the film festival there. Absolutely an unbelievable town, man. It's just, it's surreal. Yeah, yeah. It really is. I've been there not for the film festival. Uh, they wouldn't let me in, but uh, for the uh, for just the, the town itself in Colorado is awesome. How was it? It was great. It's a box canyon. It was the first place where um, uh, was the Paul Newman and Robert Redford, Bush Cassidy and Sundance Kid. It was the first place they ever robbed a bank. Was there because no one thought that they would rob it because there's one way in, one way out, and uh, the boys pulled it off. So, uh, and it's amazing because you come in to town. There's something called you know. There's Telluride the town. And then there's a gondola or gondola that goes up to Mountain Village. So you basically don't even have to drive. <laughs> you can have a couple of cocktails. You jump in the gondola and you're, you're headed home. So it was nice. Saw a couple of great films. My friend Judith Ivey, um, she's a Tony Award winner. She is in this Frances McDormand film um, called Women Talking. And boy, do men not come out looking very good <laughs> with that one. It's like about a Mennonite community that basically... Um, you know, rapes 
uh, drugs and rapes the, the women of the of the community and they basically they basically just are trying to decide whether they want to leave or not so the acting it's like it's riveting it's amazing it really is but as a dude what man you just period is that it's it's well it doesn't really let you know because it's in the mennonite community so you basically you don't know it could be the 70s oh, wow. could be the 80s could be the 90s could be today but all the themes yeah. that run through it um you know are are still um salient points here uh in all decades uh just men being uh, being fucking douchebags so um yeah so when you go to a, a film festival like that and you're in a small yeah. town like that yeah where do you stay and how do you know where to stay and what is the classification like you know where certain people stay and where other people stay etc cetera, etc cetera? well i think like the big stars get put up in you know the the nice nicest hotels but i mean a lot of people you know go there exactly for that festival and they just you know rent all the hotel rooms all the it's all the ski houses that are there you know in the winter so this yeah. is and I'd always heard that it was better in the summer. People of the town love the summer more than the winter because the winter, you know, you have all the people flying in for the weekend and acting that way. Um, but this is the summer. So there's a ton of rooms up there. There's a ton of houses and things that people can rent. So that's what happens. And I think a lot of like these uh, streamers and, um, you know, they buy films and distribute them. They make distribution deals there. So you're seeing films for the first time. I saw one called Quarter of Power. Uh, corridors of power which is about uh genocide basically and how it repeats itself every five six years in different parts of the world and it seems like the only country that ever steps up is america and we don't even step up enough it seems um you know the hutus and tutsis what's going on in syria um you know all the, the you know the various various things that happen so it was sort of depressing but um but uh, like a great, a great time, great hanging. And it was like, it was good for me because I came from Scotland to Boston, Boston to Telluride, Telluride now to LA. So I beat wow. the jet lag. I beat the jet lag a little bit, but three, three months, man, my dog barely recognized me. Yeah. So, How's but, the garbage situation in Telluride? Is it better than Scotland? Yeah, exactly. No, Telluride was clean as a whistle and uh, Edinburgh, man, they decided to, you know, during that fringe festival, they decided to go on strike. So like I said last week, uh, kind of a pulled one out of the French playbook there. So, so, uh, <laughs> so the Champions League started yesterday. Uh, really some interesting stuff. I think the biggest news is Chelsea loses to Dynamo Zagreb and then Tuchel gets cut, gets gets let go by this American owner. Um, you know, I guess it, I think it's premature, though it doesn't seem like Tuchel's acting uh, appropriately. He got in, in that confrontation with Conte he's had player problems and personnel my way the highway sort of things guys uh we even know you know with watching Pulisic uh up close and personal there that that you know he's not getting what he needs so it seems like a kind of a death by a thousand paper cuts what, what are your thoughts on it yeah there's a couple of things going on I think at the same time I mean you know Abramovich leaves the owner you right. know with with the whole uh Russia Ukraine situation and now there's the new ownership group that comes in, but all the top football people, the directors of football and whatnot, they all were somewhat scrambling in that transition and going in different directions. And so they asked uh, the owner, the new ownership group, who's an American, he asked Tuchel to be involved in some of the, you know, some of the player evaluation scouting stuff that typically a manager wouldn't be as hands-on with. Really? Of course involved, but a little less hands-on. And in that period, you know, potentially he was wearing two hats in a, too much of a significant way. And, and, and maybe that kind of wore him out a little bit because he seemed less present with his team. He seemed more agitated with his players. He seemed like he was complaining more. He was less cool on the sideline. 
And when you do that, that just rubs off on the players really quickly and it gets negative really quickly. And so obviously I'm not there to see it, but from a distance, I'm watching it and kind of getting a sense that maybe things aren't so smooth and, you know, in the, at the training yeah. round. Well, maybe think about Havertz, uh, Werner, uh, Pulisic, uh, Lukaku, uh, what was going on over there. And here they were spending all this money and weren't getting results. Nobody was happy. Nobody was playing well. Um, and so, and then the, the blow up with Conti and God knows what's going on. Usually when you see that stuff in public, you know, a lot of stuff's going on in private. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Right. Right. Cause how many times has he gone through a shake of the hands at the end of a match and just kind of, you know, blew that off. Right. But that time he yeah. didn't, although he tried to land back on his feet afterwards in the press conference and kind of play it off that way. But it does seem like there was a lot going on behind the scenes uh, and, and the weird part, if you're a Chelsea fan, it, you know, they, they spent a quarter of a billion dollars on players and, yeah. and, and now you've just changed the manager, you know, and you just, you just went shopping in the summer and now you've got a different manager. So it's an interesting one. You know, the director of player personnel I had coached in college uh, when I was the assistant coach at Boston university was Michael Manilow. He wound up playing right. uh, for the Nigerian national team, but he was a long time director of player personnel there. And right. did a very good job because, you know, Chelsea has that model where they not only want the best players on the pitch, but they have a bunch of players that are in the bullpen that basically they, they sell out, you know, they, they, they market them and make money that way. Um, and it was a, a good business for a long time. Uh, now it seems like a lot of stuff's going, going out the door and not, uh, not money coming in. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they signed Graham Potter today, the Brighton manager. So he's just now got announced uh, just today. and. I guess that's a bit awkward because, like, the moment he gets announced, Queen Elizabeth dies, so he loses all, <laughs> all the traction of his announcement. There, he gets nothing. Yeah, yeah well, give me give me a props. Well, I'm an Irish guy, but uh, but Queen Elizabeth, longing longest reign of uh, a monarch in I think history or something like that. Yeah, she always spoke so highly of you, and oh, and she announced. did. And yeah, well, you know, she knew I was a ball winner. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> you know, always she would yell, "Play the through ball from under that hat, that big big hat she would wear." Um, so anyway, say, Hey, so watch it, Chelsea, Chelsea struggles. I don't think they ever recovered from getting beat up by Leeds that day. They just got molested, man. It was just, uh, they could yes. not get off their heels. Uh, and then, you, you know, all those great players, um, Liverpool does not look like Liverpool. Um, you know, the midfield is in trouble. I think, um, Firmino has lost a, a step or two. Um, he still does some magical things, but he's just not impactful enough. Um, you know, when Thiago came in in the midfield, things kind of picked up a little bit, uh, but Milner's, you know, Milner can't do it anymore either. Um, he works hard, but he's just like bumping into people just, you know, coming in just a bit late every time they, they were afraid he was going to get a second yellow card. Um, I, I think, uh, Alexander Arnold's just, I don't know, doesn't seem as enthusiastic. Um, you know, Robertson's been criticized for poor, poor uh, distribution, um, you know, Van Dyke's Van Dyke. Oh, and, and Joe Gomez in the center with Van Dyke. I think he's done. I, I'm telling you, he played so badly the last two games that I, I don't see it. Uh, you know, uh, Klopp has given him his shot in the central defense there, and um, he's just not doing it. He's on the pine because when Matip came in, there was a definite difference. There was more penetration as they moved forward, and which relieved, you know, the forwards and the and the midfield with um, gave him a little bit more room when he carries the ball forward like that. So. Um, really interesting to watch because Napoli, man, they played a hell of a game. They countered and finished. And that's what you try to teach your women there, you know, counter and finish, man. It's a, uh, you get a chance, you take it. You can be on your heels for 30 minutes, but when you get that chance, get up there. Um, so these are two great coaches, Tuchel and Klopp, uh, who are in a little bit of trouble. 
Yeah, Klopp in particular, he's, he's a good thinker. And uh, I think sometimes his personality comes out in a way where you don't think of him as a thinker, but that's what he is. He's a really smart guy and he doesn't have a solution. And, uh, you know, they just signed him to a new contract, so he's not going anywhere, nor right. should he. Um, it, this isn't one of those situations where you just, oh, just change the coach and get a new fresh voice and everyone kind of perks up again. So you're not in that situation. You're trying to do, you're trying to go the long haul with Klopp because you believe in him. But at the bottom line, the players have been there for a while with him and uh, something's stale. Something's not right. Yeah. You know, obviously, they made the change with Mane and that the dynamic changes, which we've discussed. Some, some of the guys are aging out a little bit and a couple of guys are not in form and they have injuries. You add all those things up and they're in a tough spot. Uh, they, they rebounded the other day and had a big win, but then they come out into Champions League and, and lay an egg. And it's really, it was like 4 nothing at it by halftime, like right yeah. after halftime. So, you know, that's that's an extreme result that makes you say, what do you do? And, and you know, it's not like coaches have the answers all the time. Sometimes you just yeah. have to keep going. It seems like, you know, Liverpool always gets countered on because they, you know, they keep the possession. They, they lock you in your half. Um, and so they are susceptible to, but they were always putting points on the board. So it was always a three, one situation, you know, they'd get beat on a, on a counter once a game or so, but, uh, you know, they could, they could score the goals and they don't seem to be doing it. Um, I, I think it's injuries mostly. Uh, and you know, look, as an old midfielder, I always value the midfielders. It's like it's your engine room. And it, yeah, that's what I think is lacking right now. Uh, you know, because you did have, we talked about it last week with Mane stretching, the defenses and then uh Stalo, you know goes wide but it's it's just so funny to watch the same players on there and about how the fans turn so quickly it's it's just yeah. unbelievable you know it's just as a player it was frustrating and you know it's just sort of so annoying and they started slow last year though too chris liverpool yeah not this slow i mean they only lost two games all of last year so you know they they this is different it feels different it looks different i mean to your point yeah if they slow down a little bit you know, in the midfield, that's going to affect them because they're all about counterpressing. And so they play a high line, they counterpress, they want to win the ball back quickly. A lot of that is based on their positional play defensively. But if you can break out of that, or if they can't close you down and you get out, then, and that happens sometimes if you're a bit slower, then all of a sudden you could be on the break. And if you catch them on the break and now you expose Trent, who had some bad moments in the Napoli game, you know, yeah. it, it doesn't look right. Uh, Van Dyke hasn't been in form. It's just it's just a domino effect right now. They're just not in a good place. So well, we'll see. Long season, and we have a World Cup in the middle of it all. So uh, it's going to be an interesting year. I was looking at you know Soccer America, one of our sponsors, the Soccer on TV section uh, of the magazine. Today there are 126 different games in 14 different outlets that you can watch soccer in America. And look, coming coming back from Scotland, where it was like a wasteland. It's their big sport, and I couldn't watch it because you know we didn't have the, you know, what would be Paramount Plus or or Peacock TV here. Um, you know, none of it's on national television. It's it's also, I mean, 126 games, 14 outlets, and all these college games too, which uh, which is great because I don't know how many times you were on television in college, but I wasn't. Um, yeah, no, exactly. I, I never. Uh, and 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 now you have not just certain teams you have pretty much all teams in division one get some point of access three usually it's three espn plus where they'll stream right. and have the game available and even in smaller markets you can get your team on and that's been really fun because if you're a college soccer fan you can see all the different conferences around the country and watch them once a week regularly and keep track of the team which is pretty cool 
So uh, a lot of soccer on, obviously. I'm getting on my plane yesterday. Where did I fly from uh, two days ago? From Dallas to L.A. And I get on and sit in the first class as a guy wearing, he's wearing all the Manchester United gear, you know, like the shorts, the shirt, the whole thing. And, you know, and he's in first class. So I had to, you know, talk to him delicately. And I go, well, hey, you can you can finally break that stuff out and, and smile a little bit. He goes, oh, we're we're going to win the whole league. And I'm like, oh, dude, don't sit. sit. I know you're in first class, but I'm going to give you a little bit of truth right here. It ain't happening. Um, hope for the top four. Because uh, he did say with Man City and Holland, man, it's just everybody calls him a beast. And he is. He's just lighting the league up. It's, it's scary. Yeah, he's getting two, three goals at the clip. And uh, I don't know. It's a silly comment, but I'm. I just don't know that it's going to slow down. Like I, I just, yeah. the way they play, you just have to pick your poison. Like if you don't deal with Holland when put numbers around him, he's going to get his one, two, maybe even three somewhat consistently. And if you put those numbers around them, they're just going to come in off the edges outside in, and they're going to get you that way too. So they have so many weapons. And yeah. I, for me, this is a champions league team this year. This is, this is a team that can win it all. Win it all. Yeah. Yeah. They do have to get a little bit better in the back right now. Uh, I'm curious if that's a little bit of being out of form or what it is exactly. Cause they've conceded more than they, what they've wanted. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, you see them week in, week out, put up those kinds of numbers. And, and he, fin- he finishes when he gets an opportunity. I mean, you think about Sterling and playing for that team. I used to say, my God, you play for, for Man City with all those players, they're going to thread you a ball or two. You'd, you know, I'd, I'd have 10 goals at the end of the season. Yeah, um, yeah. You know what I mean? And and I think with Sterling, he he used to miss so many opportunities. Uh, you know, he'd get his goals, but uh, not like Holland, but um, he'd get his opportunities, but he'd, he'd miss a third of them. Yeah. Or two thirds of them, you know. Yeah. Well, part of that is the game model where the, the chances that they're, he's going to be taking with City are going to be inside that 18. So he's going to be uh, territory-wise closer to the goal and have a better chance at, at finishing his chances more regularly. So that part of that is just how City plays, which means he'll get less of the ball and he'll have to be okay with that for quite a bit of time. But when the moments come, he's going to get his. Uh, so Manchester United, the guy probably took off his uniform uh, this afternoon after flying in it yesterday. Uh, they lost to Rio Sociedad. So uh, yeah. they're they're playing better, um, kind of up and down. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they go back to Liverpool, even when they're not playing well, they're they're kind of in it, especially in the Premier League. But man, Napoli just just beat him up. Uh, some other stuff, though. Uh, Gio Reyna is back. Uh, got a pair of assists. I guess Thorgan Hazard went out uh, injured and I think of the 23rd or 35th minute. And anyway, Gio came in and uh, two assists. So. Yep. And the, if you see the highlights, these assists are really good quality plays. He's got good vision, good feet in tight areas. And yeah. I just think he's going to be someone who could really help the U.S. in this World Cup. Um, and this World Cup, I think the timing of it, you know, going back to Man United and City and Liverpool, it could be a blessing after all. You know, it's going to reboot these European leagues. If you were doing well, well, guess what? Now you got to take a month off. So now right. you're going to lose your form potentially. And if you weren't doing well, it's a, it's a chance to get a, a breath. Maybe Liverpool will welcome this this time around. But Reyna, for me, needs to play most of the minutes in this World Cup. He has that kind of an X factor in this game. No, he's got that special quality um, that you see, you know, more than anyone, I'd say, on the pitch. Uh, Musa does these special things. Is Yusuf Musa? I think he does some really great stuff on the ball as well. But the vision you talked about with Gio is something where he threads passes and, and is able to hold the ball to to time the passes and wait them. So 
Uh, my only thing with him is just he's so thin. And the same thing with Polisic that just can they take the beating? That's all. Um, and like you said, it's going to be a little bit of a, a run here. And then they go to the World Cup. And I think that can be a big reset for everybody. I just think I wonder if Polisic not playing uh, and an American owner, he's basically saying, I want him on the pitch because you and I have talked and I've talked about this all week with some people. And they thought, you know, you're right on, which is. A lot of Americans are watching Leeds now because of Brendan Aronson and because of, uh, you know, Tyler Adams and because of uh, their head coach. So I think um, Polisic was a marquee player here in the States and we're a big market. Um, and I think he was, he was playing well enough to get on the pitch. He just wasn't, just didn't play in Tuchel style. doesn't seem like anybody played in Tuchel style though. Well, yeah, I don't know if that's a style thing or just to, you know, it became personal System. at the end or, you know, these other guys are physically, you know, maybe uh, more what Tuchel wanted in those situations. Let's just say it that way. But yeah, I mean, Chris, I don't, Chris, Chris, think about the amount of people he's gone through um, yeah. up front. It's just, you know, these world-class strikers and no one's, no one's doing it. No one's playing well enough. It just seems like after a while, it's the, the boy who cried wolf. Yeah, but you know what? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they have the that out-and-out forward striker, if you will, because Havertz is like a converted attacking midfielder. Timo Werner was a guy that didn't finish at a high enough rate. Mm -hmm. uh, Lukaku's struggled in the Premier League, has done well in other leagues. You know, so I don't know if they ever had the personnel to say, hey, this is my star front player who's going to carry me forward. Um, they haven't had that these last few years. Now, they have found ways to win on the break, on counterattacks, like when they beat City in the Champions League final, etc. But you know, that's how you beat that team. And they're pretty well positioned for that. But when you have to carry the game, they have a ton of talent, but not forwards that fit in the box, if you know what I'm saying. Like they, they have to find different ways to score, which is shocking considering who they are and how many players they're willing and able to buy. And how much money they've spent. Yeah, Aubameyang, yeah. Yang, I guess that was his debut. Uh, so, you know, it, it, the thing is he's gotten what he's wanted, which is when you are when you leave under those circumstances, it's like, Hey, look, man, we gave you everything you wanted and, uh, and it didn't work. So, um, uh, so, so Weston McKinney, uh, came on, set the tone for Ju Juventus. Um, uh, so looking at that, I'm looking at a couple of players, maybe things are going to break for Pulisic a little better now, um, with a new coach coming in. Gio's playing. All right. Uh, Sergino Dest is, you know, um, not happening in Barcelona, obviously. Well, he's moved on to Milan. Yeah. So he's at yeah. AC Milan now. So he's going to, he was on the bench the other day. He'll probably get a chance now, you know, as the league unfolds to get some what, games under his belt. What do you think of him as a player? I mean, he's so dynamic out on, out on the wing, on the wing back there. Um, but, you know, doesn't think about defending as a priority, obviously. Um, what do you do with a player like that? Because he's a fleet-footed, well-skilled, uh, great yeah. over runs. Uh, what do you do with him now? It's it's tricky. I think it's a coach's preference of how he fits or doesn't fit. Obviously, with Xavi, he 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 has not fit. Um, you know, he's uh in in the mold of a Danny Alves that was more of an attacking type of a outside back. Yeah, we have a bunch of those guys. You know, the Yedlins of the world and the the. Uh, uh, Anthony Robinson's they're very dynamic athletically great with speed get up and back but they're not really like that sit at sit in the back line and defend kind of a guy just right. like Trent Alexander right now like if you yeah. look a lot of the outside backs you get a little bit more recognition it's for their abilities to go forward and, and we've lost a little bit of that defensive art but if you create a goal but then give up a goal I'm not sure how much that helps the team so 
you know, we've got a few people like Dest who are in that, you know, where they've got to try to find ways to also buckle down defensively so they don't concede. Because when they do that, then they can help their team more. So then you start to think, all right, hey, are they wingbacks and not just pure backs? So it right. partly depends on how your team's going to play and whether or not he's going to get selected. Is he going to get selected for the World Cup? Yeah, I think he will. Yeah. He's just in that circle of athletic ability where it's the most type of athletic ability that we have in our group. We have to go with that. Yeah, and he's, he's good at either side on the pitch. So, um, you know, you brought up Trent Alexander. Did you watch the Liverpool game? I watched parts of it, yeah. Yeah, so it, it was interesting. Trent was getting caught high um, at a position, which, you know, then Gomez would have to sort of sweep that up, and he didn't do it. It, it He got wrong-sided a few times. Um, he, and he doesn't play with a sense of urgency. I mean, Van Dyke, yeah. when I watch him play, he plays with this calmness, but he always uh, is tight with his control and his and everything. So he can appear calm. Gomez appears calm, and yet... It's like, dude, you're not matching the pace of the of the striker coming towards you right now. You're not, you know, it's it's just an odd odd mix. Now, having said that, I, I did watch Trent sort of dog it back. You know, if you're gonna move that, if you're back, your wing back, and you're moving forward, man, you got to get your ass back. Yeah, that there was a couple of clips he put on tape that are awkward, right? Where you just say, "What is going on?" Right? Because right. you know, if you're out wide, you get beat. We, we, look, it's happened to everyone, but you know, the reaction is important, and and how you turn and how you. You know, recycle yourself back into the middle and try to cover the guy who's covering you and, and and try to get back into a good spot. And you don't see that. And that's a telling sign, you know, where the guys are all a step late. The guys are a little funky. So you wonder what's going on there physically. Obviously, they're struggling with confidence. Are they dealing with some kind of fatigue or injury we don't know about? Those are things we don't totally know the answers to. But yeah, there's some things that all of those guys, Van Dyke as well, but there are some plays that they're putting on tape recently that are below their level. Yeah. And that makes you think, you know, what's going on? What is there a loss of concentration? What 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 is actually happening there? And and when you hear Klopp talk about it, he doesn't have an answer. And that's the part right. that you're like, whoa, what, what do you do here? So he might be waiting for that World Cup break because that might be the best thing that happens to Liverpool this year. Yeah, and you know, he runs a tight ship, so it's it's amazing. I think we've seen a bunch of leaks, I guess, to keep the metaphor going there. Um, but uh, it's it's fun to watch because there's some new teams in the Premier League that are that are um, that are dangerous and that are playing well. So it's uh, it's kind of fun because I think like you know for an American to see teams like in the Premier League, every team in the top four or five six are, are like the Yankees. They're all just spending money, a ton of money, and these other teams just want to stay up, uh, yeah, which is just yeah. so counterintuitive to the way Americans you know operate. Um, so switch to uh, the states here. Atlanta United suspends Joseph Martinez. Uh, I guess he had a, just a huge, huge meltdown, physical confrontation with the coach. Sounds like an old right out of the Flynn playbook. Um, <laughs> he's gone. For, he's gone for a week, though. Uh, you know, it seems like his numbers have gone down over the years uh, after his injuries, which is what happens to players. And then maybe there's mounting frustration as uh, they're not, you know. Cruising through like they do. Yeah, he's had multiple surgeries, multiple significant yeah. injuries, and it's hard to bounce back from that. You know, mm -hmm. when he's in form, he's, if not the or one of the most dangerous forwards in MLS. Um, manager is on the newer side, younger side, some kind of a confrontation just about the, you know, whether that's the team in general or him personally and his contributions and his effort. Yeah kind of hits a, a tipping point and then uh there's chicken and rice all over the locker room they say that's that's, that's what they the, said yeah that's chicken that's and what, rice scandal yeah you know but 
it's funny. Injury is such a big part of a player's career about, you know, some players extend themselves and you love that about them. But when they extend themselves that little bit in a one-on-one with a goalkeeper situation or in a 50-50 ball, um, they, they, they get hurt. Certain players get hurt a bunch. And then once you get that big injury, you're just sort of playing catch up for a while. But I mean, that's what I think is so impressive about, let's say, um, a mess team because the beating he takes. And yet, I don't know, man, because he's got that kind of weeble will wobble thing. Yeah. Doesn't get injured that much. I mean, yeah, you never hear about Messi being injured. He's way stronger than people realize. He's got incredible balance and he's got a really good IQ for contact, how to absorb it, how to avoid it, how to ride it. That's a thing, you know, and if you can get good at that, uh, you, you'll be a little bit more sustainable over time. I also think, you know, he plays in a league where I'm not so sure all those years in La Liga that they were kicking the crap out of him. I don't think that was really happening. Yeah, not know? like the so, Premier League and MLS. Yeah, or other leagues, so many other leagues. But so I, I think he got somewhat protected from there for a while. But don't get me wrong. There's for sure teams, especially in South America, that that will have their go at him and He'll get protected like Gretzky got protected, but at the same time, it's it's not the dynamic where all of a sudden you're fighting and okay, now I'm not going to touch Messi for four games. So it's like you know, it's there is a different aspect to that. I don't know about Joseph Martinez. You know, it could. There's also just bad luck. You know, it's yeah. like you you preserve your body well, you know how to get out of contact, but you just left your foot in there a little bit longer, or there's a bad situation, a non-contact injury, all those kinds of things. But you know, there's also in our world. Of soccer, there's a million, or I don't say a million, but there's many Joseph Martinez's who never become players or famous because they have their injuries on the front end of their career and they never right. get that contract. You never see them on the stage, but they're just as good. Uh, speaking of physicality, and you know, watching the Premier League, even Champions League, and you know, you're intimately involved with the MLS for years. So what are your thoughts? Because the criticism of MLS was too physical for a long time. I was always surprised at how much referees let go. Um, but what do you think of it now and how it compares to other leagues? Well, I think you have a growing trend across all sports, you know, where, you know, you can't touch the quarterback, right? So it's right. the same concept is that we want to have the best players on the field because that's what the fans want to see. So there is some type of protection against the egregious. Like there, there are times on some of these soccer channels where they'll replay like a, a 1980s European final. And then like the third minute, you'd see this tackle that that is 100% a red card today and is like either not called or a yellow card back in that day. And that's why Maradona yeah. had so many injuries and all that kind of stuff, because that was a different level of fouling. So the bar has moved over the years to the point where you don't get as much contact um, right. on the physical side that lead to direct injuries. And, and there's also the honor system within the sport Hey, look, we all want to play and, and get out of the match and play the next day because this is our living. Yeah. It's what we do for a living. So you don't want to necessarily end a guy a guy's career. Uh, that's not really the right way of doing things. Uh, no. But there are people who take exceptions to that because they view that as their way of competing. Well, you look at it like a Georgie Best. You see the highlights of him, and I mean, just the beating he used to take. Yeah, um, was uh, was amazing. Yeah, and so the rules the rules have changed, obviously. But I I noticed MLS. It seemed like the ball wasn't settled as quickly. Um, it, it wasn't as sharp. There was sort of, um, it, you know, and I tell you what, watching the Sacramento, um, uh, Orlando highlights of the U S open cup, which we can talk about, um, you know, the player got a, got a penalty kick called on him and he got in the ref's face. Like, I don't see happen in America that often. 
Um, and he got a yellow card and he still went back at the guys, uh, right got back in his face and which I hate that as, as hot headed as I was, I, you know, there's, you didn't go straight up right face to face with the referee and yell at him, uh, and bump him. Um, it just was disrespectful. It's just, it, it's, it's basically like not respecting the vote or whatever you have with democracy. It's like, all right, he's got the, he's got the power, man. Um, yeah. you got, you got to deal with it. You let him know you're unhappy with it, but geez, to, to bump him or get right in his face and not leave even after a yellow card. Finally, some of his teammates pulled him away, but, um, doesn't help. Doesn't ever help. No, it doesn't. I mean, MLS has done a good job of introducing mass confrontation as a discipline. So, you know, if you surround the referee with multiple people, you know, your team's going to get fined for that. And, uh, you know, that's something that they've held true, which I think is good because it's a bad visual to create yeah. that environment or that habit of, of everyone surrounding the referee all the time. So, you know, I think that's good that they've kind of worked around that a little bit. But when you go back to saying, you know, the ball, the passing of the ball, the ball's in the air a little bit more, you know, when if, if I'm just using an example like Real Madrid, like they're so yeah. technical, and when they whip the ball around, it's always so clean and sharp and on the ground. Right. And the first, even if if it's not, the first touch gets it right back onto the ground. Right. And so there's 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 a cleaner football there. And in many leagues of the world, MLS included, that the ball isn't on the ground as much. Let's say, and so that leads to a tackle, more of a 50-50 play. And then how right. you handle that, you know, some teams or, or individuals handle that differently based on how their coach and what their background is. And it could lead to more physical play, but you never want to get to a point where it leads to injuries. That's it's just not where we want to go with this. We are in a different time and we should embrace it that way. I thought it might've been cause I was, you know, like I watched the game in new England and it's on the turf and it just was just, uh, just didn't, wasn't soccer. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the, the players had the technique and, and the ability, but it was just not, uh, as tight as you would want it to be. And the ball is bouncing around on the turf. And that's that old turf too, you know? Yeah. I always kind of almost like ignore those games. Like I don't look yeah. at those as MLS games. Like a, a good MLS field with a great stadium, really good grass, two good teams. Those are great games. You know, right. a lot of them can be, okay, maybe it's some are more exciting than others, but the, the standard of it is, is very high. I think MLS is one of those leagues uh, that, you know, if you're in it on an everyday basis, uh, it's much harder than you think to play in it and, and oh, to realize the level is a lot higher than you think. But at the same time, when you now compare it to the Real Madrid's of the world, it, it's not, it's not that level. And so it's, right. it's obvious to the casual eye, but it's also all way better than people think. Um, U.S. Open Cup. I always think that's an underutilized. It was nice that ESPN covered it, um, but I think it's an underutilized um, uh tournament you know I, I think it would you know every level gets to play and and gets in there so um i guess sacramento's had some good luck uh, in the past few years with against mls teams just sort of packing it in and and uh trying to hold on maybe get one on a counter and it's worked in the past but uh seems like they ran out of luck with orlando but what do you what are your thoughts on the u.s open cup yeah i mean look it's a great tournament it's been around forever it's fun it's a chance uh for all the all the leagues and teams to compete in one competition it's our only opportunity to do that in america and every yeah. now and then you have an outlier this year it's Sac sacramento united just makes a run beats mls teams makes it to the final can't get through the last one but amazing amazing for their fans uh i know sacramento is a city that has been has pushed for mls almost right had down. mls yeah. yeah so you know great opportunity for them to show themselves on that stage as well potentially being an mls team in the future um 
Yeah, they the tel the televised part is usually the later later rounds, so you don't get the early rounds. But that would be fun to see some of the early rounds as well. Yeah, like you know, pub league teams, man. Just yeah, or if you know how, how we talked about ESPN Plus streaming some of these college games, like right. you know, it'd be great to stream some of those games as well, and so you could watch your local team play against an MLS team early on in the in Pete the cycle. Pool. And I think some of that is available, but I would love to see it promoted more. Pete's Pool Hall FC against uh, you know Kansas City. Be nice. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey they, so they accused uh, they accused or Sacramento accused Orlando City of spying. Do you hear about that? Yeah, how do you so tell me that as a coach? How do you spy? What what are you just the formation that they're gonna play or their restarts or what 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 are you spying? What are you looking at? Yeah, you're not you're, that you've ever done it. <laughs> you you're if you were right. Well, like you know, you talk about Bill Belichick and, and the videotaping of things. Like you right. could videotape a session in order to see what their set pieces are going to be, who's you know, how they're gonna serve a ball, where are they gonna serve the ball, who are the penalty kick takers, where do they hit it? All those kinds of things are information that nowadays it's all online anyway, you know, with the software that we all have. But if you're trying to see, well, hey, are they going to come out with a different formation or something like that? Those are the things that, you know, when you prepare for a match, you're, you're, you have a sense for what another team is going to do, but you never know if they're going to do something different. And right. so that would be putting eyes on a practice or video recording a practice would be your way of pulling out that information. And, you know, at least be aware maybe in soccer, but I mean, the game is different in the sense that you're not running plays so much. You might do some sort of training ground, you know, things that you've worked on, on restarts, you know, in a direct, Correct. Kick, that kind of thing. Or, you know, maybe the way uh, certain guys are taking their penalty kicks, they always go to the left, but you know, look, I've been in games where, you know, one of my teammates, we had a penalty against us. And one of my teammates played with the guy who was taking the penalty for the other side. He knew exactly what direction he was. He walked over to the goalie. He told him. So now, the guy who's taking the penalty kick is like, okay, I always go left, but you know, Eric just told him that I always go left. Right. So, so I'll yeah. go right. Or maybe he'll think I'll go right now. Maybe I'll go left. So it doesn't matter. It all gets canceled yeah. out. You know, no, it's the princess bride. It's the poison in the cup. And <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. yeah, you have to figure out, you know, does he know that I know that he knows that I know. And I know that so, you know that he knows. So. Yeah. So, you know, that's the cat and mouse part of it. Uh, but the bottom line is the cheating part. I mean, I hope that's not true. Uh, that, that's something that I think you, you agree when, when you're in pro sport, you agree, hey, this is how we're going to operate. Here are the right. here, here's the the software that we have access to. Here's the the ones that we don't, and it's a, it should be a clean slate from there. But hey, maybe I'm right. being naive. All right, so uh, big game tonight. What do you have the, the women doing? Are they just uh, feed up, hydrating right now? Yeah, like I said, 102 at kickoff. So it's all about honestly staying healthy. We want them to be safe, uh, and then hopefully hydrated enough to to excel and do well. But yeah, meals, meetings, uh, stay out of the sun, get yourself, you know, some yeah. rest, but also be ready. Seven o'clock kickoffs can be awkward for players at all levels because you have to you have to wait around all day, you know. Do you and fly back just, tonight or do you fly back to Los Angeles tonight or tomorrow? Yeah, we'll tomorrow. fly back first thing tomorrow so that they can get to classes as soon as possible. Did you fly out today? Yesterday. Yesterday. All right. So yeah. They, they... Fly out yesterday, get some training spend the day here and then fly out first thing in the morning. So it's That's like a 48 hour trip basically. All right, man. Well, good luck tonight. I think, uh, what are your one Oh and three. Um, yeah, actually. Yeah. Quite an improvement from last year. And I know, uh, UMass, both of one of our alma maters, they went to grad school there, but yeah. uh, they beat Boston college three, three nil Boston college nice. is fully funded and UMass is not. Uh, yes. that's another that's another kind of subject for another day yes uh, all right man well best of luck tonight um all right with the women and uh and you're continuing to improve that program over there 
And um, where are we this week? I'll see you. Maybe I'll check out one of your training sessions. I'm back in LA, dude. I'm back. Yeah, welcome back. Yeah, it's been yeah, a while. So, so I go on the back. road. I go on the road next week for 10 oh, days. Oh, gosh. Where are you off to? I'm going to uh, uh, New York, upstate New York. I have two shows. To, uh, Fear of Heights is going to be at the um, Irish Cultural Center in Mohawk Valley and in Albany. To Thursday, Friday nights, and then nice Albany Alley Cats. Remember that team? The Albany Alley Cats. No, man. that was like an indoor team, like all that stuff up there. Oh man, ask around when you get Before there. Or after my time, probably after my time. All yeah. right, everybody, that's all the time we have today on Over the Ball for Chris Shamides. I'm Kevin Flynn, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Hey, Courtney, great job today taking Ken's place, uh, running the board, producing the show, producing the program. Um, it really went smoothly today without Ken around. That's what we really like about it. <laughs> all right, everybody, that's all the time we have. We'll talk to you next time on OTB. Call or text us at 424-229-2247. That's 424-229-2247.